week on Beyond the Vibe, I'm joined by a man who's considered by many as being one of the greatest acoustic guitarists of all time. It's Tommy Emmanuel. And we were just so fascinated by music in general. And you have to realize that, you know, bands like The Shadows, this is 1960, 61, around that time. The sound of The Shadows and their records was on the radio all the time. It came out of every cafe, every shop that you went to, you heard Cliff Richard and The Shadows. A lot of people cite you as being like one of the greatest acoustic guitar players ever. Mike going as far as saying you're the greatest guitarist ever. What what do you... Yeah, what the hell would he know? <laughs> all the videos that, that have you know, 20 million views and all that, here's, here's what happened. This is what people don't know. Good morning. Good morning. Well, good afternoon for me, but <laughs> good morning good to you. Ryan, where, where are you? I'm in the UK. Oh, tally-ho. Oh, how, how, how wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I've got two, two daughters and two granddaughters in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Whereabouts you, are you? I am near Nottingham in a Robin Hood country. Oh, oh I, I love it up there. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> My, my word. In fact, my buddy, uh, Chris Burrows, uh, you, who was did my merchandise for the last, oh, I would say 20 years, he lives in Nottingham. Small world. But I wouldn't want to paint it. All right. <laughs> it's true. Um, I spoke with, uh, you know, Mike Dawes, obviously. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I spoke with him a while back, and um, he's a Bristol he was, lad. He spoke very highly of you. Um, oh, he's so, a brilliant guy. Yeah, he is. So I'm here with uh, Tommy Emmanuel. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Tommy. You're welcome. Um, so on this show, we like to kind of go back and and take a look at how things began for a musician. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. What what first kind of got you into wanting to play music? Did you have? Oh, moment? I didn't. Oh, I had many moments, but uh, I would say uh, because I was a little kid, I was four years old when I got my first guitar. But mm. I, my mum was already. I mean, there was already music in the house. Uh, there were local bands that were you know living in the area where we lived who would come down and set up in our lounge room and play for my mum and dad. And, uh, and, um, and my brother Phil and I would get down on our hands and knees and crawl in front of the guy's amp and, and listen, you know, sitting in front of his amp. And we were just so fascinated by music in general. And you have to realise that, you know, bands like The Shadows, mm. this is 1960, 61, around that time, uh, the sound of the shadows and their records was on the radio all the time. It came out of every cafe, every shop that you went to, you heard Cliff Richard and the Shadows. 
in 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 Australia, and that was great music, and and we just couldn't wait to you know I wanted to be Bruce Welsh and Phil wanted to be Hank Marvin, and that that's what got us started. They were our first role models as musicians. <laughs> Mm. And they're both still they're both still with us. Isn't that wonderful? It it is crazy. I mean, it, particularly from that era, I I hear so many guitarists speak about kind of it was the shadows. It was that moment. You yeah, know, it's because father, their songs. Mm. It's because their songs were so good, and and their, so their music struck a chord with the public. And you know, I mean, I've never really. Uh, talked about it on that level uh, with Hank or Bruce. I know them both very well and very honoured to call them dear friends. But, you know, I'm not sure that they understood the influence that they had. And then uh, the fact that, you know, they were just trying, like all of us, they were just trying to record a song that would get on the radio and that maybe someone would like, you know, and that's, we were all trying to do the same thing. We were trying to play music that made people just light up, you know, and I still do the same thing. I'm still trying to write the best songs I can and play for people the best I can. So people have a great time. That's mm. what it's about. Um, of course you have this kind of a uh, real kind of signature style um, incorporating like a multitude of you know musical influences and styles kind of mm -hmm. briefly touched on there um right over, over the years have you just kind of experimented with different kind of genres and techniques and that's kind of how you've landed oh with well this? yeah well if you look at if you look at my younger life uh, i can tell you that you know i when I was, uh, you know, at high school, um, I was teaching guitar three nights a week to try and make a, some extra money to help my my mum because dad had passed away. So there was no, you know, breadwinner in the family. Mm -hmm. It had to be us boys. And uh, so my eldest brother had a nine to five job. My brother Phil and I had a, had a band on the weekend and... Um, and, and we did other things as well. So in those days, we were trying to play uh, music that was pop, kind of popular country music. Mm. And, uh, and then I think a little later, you know, I was in bands uh, learning Creedence Clearwater songs, uh, Rolling Stones songs, um, Crosby, Stills, Nash, uh, Carol King you know, we were learning all that kind of stuff. And then I remember when I was 16, American Pie came out. Um, Carol King's uh, Tapestry album came out. Chris Christopherson's Silver Tongue Devil album came out. I mean, there was just so much great music going on in those days. So I, between the ages of 16 and 20, I didn't listen to much else but singer-songwriters. I didn't study guitar much at all. And uh, not that I've ever really studied as such. I don't read music. I play everything by ear. Uh, I'm a total, you know, uh, novice. And, and I, uh, I, I, I just try to do the best I can with whatever I have. And, I, and you know, listening to people 
like the Beatles, um, uh, James Taylor, uh, Bonnie Raitt, Carol King, Neil Diamond, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Don McLean. I mean, all the, this is just a handful. There's so many more. But mm. these are the people that I tried to learn from. And, and I think I got an idea of what a good song might be, you know? Yeah. So um, I tried, I wanted to be a songwriter, but I was no good at it when I was young because I, I didn't know what I was doing, you know? It took me years to learn what how to write a good song and uh and hopefully what i've been writing in the last 40 years is you know uh it's starting to stand up so that's good mm. uh, um of course I, I kind of briefly touched on it there i spoke with mike Dawes a few few months back and um mm -hmm. you know you, sp you spoke of you very highly um as many others have they've kind of a lot of people cite you as being like one of the greatest acoustic guitar players ever, Mike going as far as saying you're the greatest guitarist ever. What what do you? Yeah, what the hell would he know? <laughs> <laughs> what like what what's kind of your thoughts of you know when you get so many amazing other amazing musicians kind of putting you up so highly and thinking so highly of you? I never think about stuff like that ever. No. Never, uh, no, no, of course not. Uh, you know, because uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be up in that, in that that uh, that space. I'm just like everybody else. Mm. I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I have. It's as simple as that. I never think of that. You know, I could imagine it would be the most awful thing to be walking around every day having to think that I must be the greatest of, you know, <laughs> what an awful, awful ball and chain that must be for somebody. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm just the most luckiest guy on the planet because the harder I work at it, the, the better I get and then the luckier I, I, I get. But, you know, I don't pretend to be anything I'm not, you know, mm. I can't play like, I can't play like Steve Vai or Joe Satriani or, you know, I, I can't do that kind of thing and all that. I love it and I, and, I, and it, it, it blows my mind, but I have to be trying to do the best with what I have. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't want anything to be holding me back, particularly pride, ego, all that stuff, self-centeredness. It has, it's a, it's such a bullshit thing. And it's, it's, uh, it, it destroys a lot of people, you know, mm. since when do we care what, what, you know, uh, what, what other people think of us, see what other people think of me is none of my business. Mm. You know, I, I have to show up and do my best. If I remain in that kind of uh, mindset, of I'm going to do my best today, but I'm not going to beat myself up if I'm not as good as, you know, Joe Satriani or whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to beat myself up. Uh, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I have. You know, I'm just a human being like everybody else. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm grateful to be in music. I'm grateful for my health. 
I'm grateful for my family and, and I'm grateful for the respect that people treat me with because uh, a person needs to be treated the way you, you treat others. You know, I, I hope that, that the way I treat people comes back to me, you know, mm. that, that kind of, you play with a lot of freedom and you seem like you're just mm-hmm. doing it because you yeah. enjoy it. Like it really comes exactly. across. Um, Thank you. And that there's no, like there's, there's just this, I mean, I, I watched uh, the first video, I think was the, the classical gas cover with the, I think that's got quite a, quite a lot of views, that video from a few years ago. Yeah. You, you want to know about that? Okay. Uh, all <laughs> the videos that, that have you know, 20 million views and all that, Here's, here's what happened. This is what people don't know. I was on tour in Germany and I had my, my fiance, my, my, my partner with me, Clara, who, who used to shoot all my videos and come. She's brilliant. Right. And my, I have a friend who has a good studio in his house Mm. and we were playing in a town like 30 miles away. and, And so I called him and I said, can we come and shoot? some videos in your house and re- and and record them so i can so it's not just a video a microphone so i can put a good mic up and record the guitar mix it off and make the video sound good and he said sure okay come on over so i had one hour of studio time i shot six songs one take each one mixed it off got out of there and went, then did soundcheck and went and did the show. Those videos have done more for my career, mm. uh, you know. And but what people think that I must have spent years developing those arrangements. They were all improvised. <laughs> they were all one take. So, you know, I don't know what else to tell you, but that's how I live, you know. I, did, I played the song that way that day. Mm. I'm not going to play it like that tonight or, you know, it's going to be different. And, and uh, it's not written in stone that that's exactly how I play it. That's how I played it that day. Mm. I, th- I think that's, that's such a great way to go about things because particularly with, with like live gigs, um, you know, how you play on that night won't be replicated again. So whoever no. goes can kind of take that away with them. Like they have that. Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm always like there was a lady in the front row and I was out there really pouring my heart out when I had a show in, in Canada last week. And there was a lady and, and she was messing with the phone and she was filming me and then she'd put it down. Then she'd drop it and she'd pick it up and, oh, and then she'd film a bit more. And she did this over and over. And I thought, she's like a performing monkey. She's like <laughs> totally, she's addicted to this, you know. And eventually in the middle of the song and she's, guys, I leaned over and I said, just enjoy it. <laughs> That's it. Just enjoy it. Stop trying to film it, you know. And, and why people are like that, I'll never know. You know, she might have, she might have been on medication. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but she, she couldn't help herself. But, you know, if it's it floors me you go to play a show and everyone puts their phone oh, up no. the thing is yeah the thing is all the feeling and the emotion and all that of this moment right now is not going to come out your phone mm. 
You have to live it. You know what I mean? You have to live it now because this is what you have. Mm. And, uh, you know, it drives me crazy when, when, you know, someone comes to visit me and they walk in and turn their phone on and walk up to me and say, hello, hey, here's Tommy, <laughs> where blah, blah, blah. It's like, put that damn thing away, <laughs> you know? It's unbelievable. Mm. I don't get it. Maybe you could take a, uh, I know Jack White does a thing where now every every gig he has, he, he has a a thing where people have to put their phones in Ziploc bags so they can't take How them wonderful. <laughs> so it's completely phoneless. Uh, I'm, uh, I, uh, I don't have that uh, big a following, I guess, that, that, you know, but, you know, I I will I do chew people out sometimes if they just if they're told to put their phone away and they keep filming. But mm-hmm. I, I I promise you, brother, that um, every night, every night, people are recording me. Every single show, it doesn't matter where you go. There, are, I can see people who have twin microphones around their neck and they're hidden here and they think no one knows and they're sitting there and they're recording me in stereo. Um, you know, one of the best sounding live albums I ever made was, was in, in the city of Seoul in Korea. And I bought it online the next day and it was a show I did the night before. And it was one of the best sounding recordings I've ever heard of, of me live. And somebody filmed, somebody recorded it in the in the audience and sold oh. it the next day and I bought it <laughs> to have listened to it. So what the hell chance of yeah. <laughs> oh, um of course the, the latest EP Accomplice, Volume Three. Um, yeah which with is, Mike. Yeah, out now um in partnership with Mike there. Um how did that mm. album kind of come up well, E P come about? Well, I, I've been doing this series. Uh, uh, about five years ago, I had an album called Accomplice One, right? Mm. And I had, uh, I had, uh, you know, uh, Rodney Crowell, um, Mark Knopfler, Ricky Skaggs, Jason Isbell. I had some really great people on there. And, and so I thought we'd make a little kind of series, especially during COVID, you know, we wanted to get in there and record some stuff. And, and so we, we came up with this idea of the Accomplice series. In other words, uh, duets with other artists. And uh, rather than using the word duet, I, I found the word accomplice to be an interesting sound. So uh, that, uh, but now getting back to Mike and I, I saw Mike on YouTube probably 10 years ago. Mm. And um, I said to my manager, this guy from England's great. He's He's it, it's so different to me, has a whole different way of looking at things, but I love the energy he brings to his audience. You know, he's out there giving the audience a great time. Let's get him on some shows. Mm-hmm. So he did. And so Mike came and opened for me several times, and we just hit it off as blokes, you know, straight away. We were just immediately like, you know, cut, couple of blokes down the pub we were we were just real <laughs> simple it's easy going and uh once we got a little more comfortable musically with each other i would say to him you know he'd be in his dressing room playing something like smells like teen spirit mm-hmm. you know and i'd say can i can i have a go at 
see if I could come up with something. And he'd say, sure. So I would go and work out how to play it. And then we we would get together and, and see and work out a, a good arrangement. And I'd never thought about doing a song like that, mm. you know, as a, for me solo. But as a duo, it works really well, you know. And the way he's, he arranges things with his particular style, those kind of things can really work well. So, you know, uh, we, we did a lot of touring together last year. And at the end of the year in December, we finished in Southern California and we just drove straight to LA from San Diego and went, went to uh, uh, Mike, uh, uh, Mark DeSisto's studio, who's uh, the guy who does all my mixing and mastering. And he said he set up microphones and we sat down and played all five songs that afternoon and, and just did them like from start to finish. Mm. And uh, and that's how it came about. We were we were coming off the the buzz of being on tour for weeks. You know, when you when you tour a lot, it's so good for your playing. And the time to record is at the end of the tour when you're like you're absolutely at your best. Mm. Do, do you ever get tired of touring? And I looked at your tour schedule for the most of the summer. And you always seem to be somewhere doing something. Is that because, you know, you want to kind of just keep honing that craft and keep, keep going? Well, my life is, my life has always been and will always be a dilemma, right? Because I'm a dad, I'm a granddad, uh, I'm a brother, uh, I'm a friend, and I want to be with people I love. Mm. my family, my friends. But what I do means so much to me. And I just have to make peace with that. Otherwise, it, it would destroy me, you know. I would drink or drug myself to death with the pain I was feeling if I gave in to it. But but I don't, you know. I I have a happy life. And I have to be uh, okay about the fact that uh, I can't be with my children every day. I mm. can't. It's not possible. And they're okay about it as long as we talk about it, you know. That's the reality of it. The reality is is that touring is hard on people and it's harder on families than anything else. But if you're okay about it, you can survive it and you can do what you can have a good time and 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 bless a lot of people so um i do it because i know that's what i'm born to do that's why i'm here on earth i know that uh and i've got to show up and do my best because there's a lot of people out there who need to see a window into something that maybe they hadn't thought about you know my son saw you playing and blah 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 and he mm. hasn't stopped playing since yeah and he's he's fired up, you know. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You know? mm. He he didn't know he was going to have that experience. It's not me. It's something that happens when I play, and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so, my job is to show up and do my best. That's it. Mm. It's that nice kind of full circle thing, you know. Kind of goes back to the shadows thing. Like they kind of yeah. pushed you, and now you're pushing. Exactly. Exactly. It. 
Yeah. It's fascinating how life is full of all those circles mm. and the, you know, even the Lion King talks about the circle of life. There it is, you know, and I see the circle of life every day of my, every day of my life. You know, this morning I got a message that two close friends of mine, uh, I knew they were both going to be passing and they both passed away yesterday. And, you know, I didn't fall down on my knees and sob my heart out because I knew it was the end for them. And I'm okay about that. You know, mm. it's just how it is. My turn's coming. Yours is coming. <laughs> but, so we, we, we better get on and do what we can today. You know, mm. today yeah. has got to be the best day of our lives. Cause uh, you know, this is what we have right, right now. Mm. We both are uh, well, and and doing what what we love you know so can't get better than that no um are, are there you know you've obviously had this really cool career are, are there are there any kind of personal highlights for you that you look back on and you think like that was a that was an amazing moment there were thousands of them <laughs> thousands yeah uh so many highlights, so many good, good memories. Uh, I would have to say, uh, in the sixties, working with, with artists that I really admired was great for my confidence. Mm. And I learned so much. I learned so much from people. Um, and then I, I guess some of my career highlights, some of the things that, that changed the course of my history were like in 88, I, I got the position of opening for John Denver mm. and, and we were playing huge arenas, you know, 25,000 people a night. And I came out as a solo acoustic artist. Wow. Which, and... You know, I remember uh, John Denver had uh, James Burton playing guitar w with him uh, and Jerry Sheff playing bass, both from Elvis's band. And I'll never forget the first night I came off stage and James Burton said to me, aren't you scared going out there on your own? <laughs> I said, what am I scared of? You know, I'm going home. The stage is my home. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, so that made a big difference to me as an artist. Uh, and then in 1990, I opened, I was the opening act for Eric Clapton in Australia, and it was so wonderful. And Eric was so nice, uh, his band were all great people, his crew, everybody around him were fantastic. And so that tour elevated me as an artist. Um, and then, um, in, uh, in 93, I made an album in Los Angeles and I had some great people like, uh, Carlos Vega, who's no longer with us, played drums, Abraham Laboreal played bass, um, and Joe Walsh played slide on a couple of tracks. And it was a beautiful project. Chet Atkins played on, on, on a track. And it was just coming to America and recording with the best people. That was, that opened my eyes to so many things. And, uh, 
But I think probably one of the highlights of my life personally was when my brother Phil and I played at the closing ceremonies of the Olympic Games in 2000. So to, to uh, you know, to support uh, the Olympic Games and to be part of that grand event put on by our home country, that was that filled me with love and pride for Australia, that's for sure, because mm. they put on a great show. <laughs> it was yeah, incredible. That's, yeah, I can imagine that's like, such an amazing thing to have because it's you know it's never going to happen again it can't be replicated it kind of goes back to what you're saying exactly it's, it's that one time yeah. thing you know exactly um, uh one one question that i always like to to finish on i ask every guest okay um it's a bit of a hypothetical question <laughs> if you could tour with one band or musician from the past and one from the present who would they be ah oh. Um, well, I, I would like to play rhythm guitar with Count Basie Big Band. That would be wonderful. And I would like to do a, a two-out gig, just the two of us, with Frank Sinatra. It's mm. an interesting shout. <laughs> Yeah, because I love being an accompanist and I love working with people on that level. It's mm. so good for me. It really is. And uh, so I, I could say that about a lot of people. I mean, I would love to uh, do something with, uh, uh, you know, Wes Montgomery or, uh, you know, someone at that level or Django, you know. But if I if I had to pick what would be the ultimate experience, I think being the rhythm guitar player in Count Basie's band would be pretty hard to beat as a guy who loves to go chunk, 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 chunk. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, thank you very thank much you. for joining me, Tommy. And, um, thanks thanks for, those... for having me, Ryan. It's cool. And for those that uh, want to check out uh, Accomplice Volume 3, um, the link is in the description below. Uh, you can check that out. And um, Look at that. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. are you are you going? I mean, you're, you're on tour soon again, aren't you? I believe. Uh, I, yeah. I, I just finished a long tour. Uh, and uh, I just had my, my guitar camp here in Nashville. Mm. And uh, tomorrow I'm playing in the Merle Travis uh, center up in Kentucky and, uh, and Saturday I'm playing for the great so songwriter, Diane Warren. Uh, she's here to, uh, giving a, sort of a lecture and a talk about her, all her big hits. And I have to play three songs with a great young female singer here who's been on a show called the voice over here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, she's coming over here shortly for us to run the songs and uh, so I'm going to do the, that. And then um, I got shows next week in uh, North Carolina and, and East Tennessee. And then I fly to California, be with my seven-year-old daughter for six days. And then I fly into Latvia and start the European dates. So, and, and I'm going to be like this <laughs> for the rest of the year until Christmas. It's full like an egg. 
<laughs> I can imagine. So, <laughs> well, thank you very much. And um, thank you. Yeah, and uh, for those that want to catch him, obviously, links in the description below. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, um, uh, if I don't see you beforehand, happy Christmas and happy Christmas yes. to all your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> thank you see very you, much. See you, Ryan. Me.